0: Today on podcast by the Bay, current candidate for San Francisco mayor and longtime attorney and public servant Angela Alioto.
1: For one thing, um, Patrick, there is a real disconnect between the community and the government. Okay, there, there's just not enough coalition building like there used to be, um, particularly when my dad was mayor and when I was president of the Board of Supervisors. We had communities that were um, uh coalition builders in the sense that they would all meet and talk and try to come to some solution that was good for the whole of the city and that really really worked today nobody speaks to each other and the politicians themselves don't like each other
0: discussing her vision on many of the issues pertaining to san francisco such as housing homelessness transportation and her vision for the future to come
1: since I joined this campaign, um, I, I, I mean it's it's been remarkable to me that every time we heard affordable, it was a matter of bringing the percentage up with the developer. Do we have 15? percent? Do we have 20? Do we have 25? Some have 50%. Okay. Then I found out affordable is $130,000 a year salary. Well, that's not affordable for the teachers, for the uh, for the uh, nurses, Please fire, emergency services in an emergency service city. Um, that's not affordable. We want housing. I want to build housing that is for people to make 50000 60000 70000
0: All coming up on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. And now, another podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre.
2: And this is Patrick.
0: And welcome to another episode of Podcast by the Bay. We thank you for being with us today. We thank you for downloading this episode and for spreading the word to all your friends. We definitely appreciate it. And so today, we're going to continue some of our election coverage. And we're going to move up to one of the cities above the peninsula. That's actually San Francisco with a very heated San Francisco mayor election coming up here on June 5th. And it's a very contentious. You have a lot of different candidates between Mark Leno, uh, Jane Kim, and and also with our today's guest, who we're going to feature as an exclusive interview, Angela Alioto. And so, Patrick, you got to meet Angela. You got to speak with her, hear some of her ideas, and know a little bit about her background. So how was it? Can you give us a little information to the viewers about Angela Aliotto? Well,
2: the ironic thing, Andre, is is that I parked in the same exact parking space that when I interviewed Elney uh, that was running for lieutenant governors. And I had the same meter, and the meter worked this time, so I was able to put my money in. So that was exciting. It was a nice sunny day and uh, Angela's uh, office headquarters her law office is where I met it. Is also her campaign office headquarters as you know her father was the 36th mayor in San Francisco um, and Angela um, uh, graduated or was on the board of supervisors from 1988 to 1977 and she was a board president uh, from January 1993 to 95 she served as vice chair of the board's finance committee. Angela was served on the chair of two boards and committees uh, concerning the health, public safety, environmental committee. During her tenure, uh, Aliotta fought against tobacco companies uh, for several pieces of legislation for anti-smoking. Also focused in on protecting the health care that created comprehensive stuff. She worked on the homeless issue with Gavin. She, she's excited to go back to that. The homeless issue is still strong. She worked in San Francisco on the needle exchange, uh, minority business laws, crimes. She also uh, won a big case against Wonder Bread for discrimination. Uh, She's a litigator. She's out there to fight for people of color, fight their people of gender, fight for for women, fight for whoever needs uh, or is in a disadvantage. She's a, a lifetime member of the National Association of Advancement of, of Color People, or otherwise known as the NAACP. Uh, she's a secular Franciscan order. She's the Dante Society of America. She goes back to Italy uh, for her roots. Uh, she, she's uh, she's definitely a good talker. I had an opportunity to speak with her, frankly, about the issues facing San Francisco. Uh, she, Their peninsula, they're all facing the same issues as... Uh, we are Workforce. She was talking that she was impressed with Salesforce that kept the gentrification of the businesses there. But she says the big problems is the new big companies, your Google or your Facebook, are pushing out the old businesses, the old neighborhood. Uh, she's very concerned about that. She wants to see that we can still keep the character and life of San Francisco. She was born and raised in San Francisco, like I said, uh, to uh, Joe Alioto and Angelina Alioto. She's married. Uh, she's uh, a, a dynamic speaker. I want you to listen to her. Uh, and Andre, I mean, I, I, I can't begin to tell you. I think the audience are going to be real excited to listen to Angela Alioto. And we will all wish her the best of luck.
0: Well, we definitely appreciate Angela for speaking with Podcasts by the Bay. And for some of the listeners who might remember, Joe Alioto was her father, right, and who was also mayor of San Francisco. I think that's a really awesome kind of connection as far as going back in in time. So you have a family, a a mayor family, that's, uh, you know, trying to reconnect to that experience of a time in San Francisco. And as someone myself who actually grew up in San Francisco, and I did um, for 14 years, I, I lived until I was 14 in San Francisco, I appreciate what she is actually describing about community and about really preserving the community of the neighborhoods. Because let me tell you, I grew up there. I know a lot of the neighborhoods in and out. I've been all around the city. I lived in San Francisco. I even moved back to San Francisco in my early 20s. And I lived there for eight years and and, and afterwards. And let me tell you, um, San Francisco today, it's 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 it, it has changed. It has changed. And I know for a fact it has changed because I've experienced it and I live there. But also I went back there and I worked there and just just until a couple of years ago and I was up there every day and I and I saw the change and I saw the difference of the community. So I appreciate what Angela's is describing about the change and really trying to preserve the community, because I think that's what we should be really looking about when. Um, when, when, when we talk to all these officials, how are we going to preserve our community in a way that really is meaningful? Because, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of push for just rapid growth and rapid development and things like that. But we have to do things, I think, practically.
2: So anyways, Andre, I wanted to, I wanted to interject one, one thing that was really exciting to talk with her. She was talking about the older days when people would call up an executive from the bank or an executive from a business or whatever and how they'd have meetings together to solve problems. She kind of agreed with me that we probably need to see more regionalization with transportation, with housing. That we're doing the same thing all over again. We're not communicating as effectively. And she feels that more roundtables for people coming together with creative thoughts. It shouldn't be an extreme right. It shouldn't be an extreme left. It should be more in the center of the road. I'm going to really, I really want people to listen to this because I really was excited to hear that she's got the philosophy that we need to get all the people to the table and talk about solutions not not political agenda
0: well, maybe she could be another host of podcasts by the bay. I really like this, Patrick. I mean, this is exactly what we're talking about <laughs> because it's like this is exactly what we want to do here as well. So we definitely can appreciate her perspective about bringing people together, talking about the issues, getting people from different sides, and really focusing on different perspectives to really come to a logical solution that really makes sense for people. And I think that's 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 a really, really... Uh, Valiant kind of uh, perspective as far as I'm concerned. I mean, um, you know, somebody who really gets it. So anyways, we're going to go ahead and get to the Angela Aliotto interview. And uh, she's also she's running for San Francisco mayor and the elections on June 5th. So uh, it's it's very uh, it's very exciting. Um, There's a lot of candidates there. uh, London Breed, uh, Mark Leno, um, you know, Jane Kim among some of the top uh, front runners, But uh, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get to this interview. and If you have any questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to us at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. You can always follow us on Twitter and we stay up to date because we post a lot of information. That's at podcastbythebay. That's our twin Twitter handle. And also on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcastbythebay. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get to it. And we'll catch you on the next time of Podcast by the Bay. So, with that, this is Andre.
2: And this is Patrick.
0: And we'll see you on the next episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned.
2: Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. I'm in San Francisco. It is Thursday, and it is the 9th of May. And I have a wonderful opportunity to interview Angela Alioto. If you recall, Angela Alioto's father was the 36th mayor of San Francisco. I'm in Angela's law office right now. Uh, Welcome to Podcast by the Bay.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you coming out here.
2: Well, Angela, can you give us one reason or several reasons why you're running for mayor? But before you do that, not all of my listeners know your background. So if you can give us a little background, I think you've been in public service. I know you you, uh, graduated from law school in '87 uh is that about right or is it uh, 83 83 okay and you've been practicing law for quite a few years i would say almost 30 years
1: no 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 uh no i uh won the election and i went ran for office in 86 won the election in 88 uh and so i was uh, president of the board of supervisors for the city and county of san francisco uh and supervisor from 89 january 89 to 97
2: Okay, and um, you also ran for mayor at at another time, I ran
1: for mayor in 91 and 2003.
2: Okay, great. Well, you're passionate about the city, and we appreciate you being a good public servant. I know your father was, too. Um, Give us a little background of your education uh, for the viewers out there in podcast land.
1: Okay, I was at the Convent of the Sacred Heart for my entire first 18 years of education. Um, That's here in San Francisco, and then from the convent. Uh, With the religious of the Sacred Heart, I uh, went on to their college, which was at the time called uh, Low Mountain College for Women. And at that point, I had uh, two children. I had four children by the time I was 25. And so then I went back to law school when I was 29 at the USF Law School, graduated in 83, and then ran for office in 86.
2: So you were more interested at first in public service and practicing law, would you say? Or a little
1: bit of both? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. I think my earlier years, I was actually apolitical. When my father was mayor and thereafter, it it was so tough on us that um, I did not like politics.
2: Why don't you tell us about that Wonder Bread case that you were very successful winning and how you represented the, the parties well enough. Of, and I think it was a due to discrimination, if yes. I'm not recalling. Yes,
1: I'm a civil rights trial lawyer. Okay. So in uh, 2001, I won the largest. I'd been practicing now. Um, I had my license since 87, but i have been practicing um, since I left City Hall in 97. So it was only four, three and a half years when I won the largest verdict in history. Uh, for the civil rights movement representing 23 African-Americans against Wonder Bread, IBC, Kansas City. Um, but the actions occurred here in San Francisco at the Wonder Bread factory um, and uh, the route drivers and the Mack drivers. So it was an incredible verdict uh, for racial discrimination, retaliation and um, uh, um, it's called disparate impact when you're treated differently in general.
2: Do you still think we're seeing a little bit of that still happening today?
1: Oh, I have great cases. Oh. I'm, I'm, I, I, since Trump became president, the law firm telephone doesn't stop.
2: Wow. Yeah. Well, we, we congratulate you on winning those cases. Thank well, you. I, w- I want to kind of get into why are you running for mayor in San Francisco?
1: I'm running for mayor in San Francisco because of the situation with homelessness. I've worked in homelessness my whole life since I was in politics. And then when I left, even as a civil rights trial lawyer, I went back with Gavin Newsom, uh, who was mayor, and he and I created the 10-year plan to end chronic homelessness. That's people who are on the streets for four to six years, generally speaking, um, triple diagnosed uh, um, and uh, are very, very, very difficult to get off the street. So we wrote our plan and we housed 4,600 people. Uh, uh, chronic homeless people, and and the total sum was over 11,000 of the general homeless population that we housed. Then 2012 came along, Gavin went to Sacramento, and the new administration dropped our plan and defunded it and took the properties away where we were housing the formerly homeless. And so now we have this total chaos with so many people uh, sleeping on the streets and in tents and um, so many people shooting up and uh, killing themselves and literally being all over the streets of our city. Uh, um, it, it, it looks like a third world in different parts, and well, that's I, why I decided to run for mayor.
2: Well, I know I have witnessed down there at the public library that they, on one side of the, the library, the homeless people are there are shooting up with uh, drugs yeah. and stuff like that. So it is kind of just, for, for the podcast people, how many people in San Francisco are homeless? Approximately. Chronically,
1: three to four thousand, meaning on the streets for more than three to, uh, for more than four to six years. Um, we we have uh, we have to house anyone who's been on the street twenty one years. And believe it or not, we have several of those. Um, but uh, the general homeless population can range anywhere from uh, fifteen to twenty thousand people.
2: Well, approximately twenty years ago, I had an opportunity to work with Danny Glover in San Francisco uh, with the homeless children, and yeah. I don't know how far that really went, but. I know besides the homeless adults, we have a lot of homeless children. Right. And in the disparity we have in this economy with rents going skyrocketing, and uh, a lot of people are living in their cars. I mean, students right. are living in their cars. Uh, what, how many do you think there's an increase in that since we've had uh, the problems? I know I, I've, I've talked to students that are going to Berkeley and they're sleeping on somebody's lawn in yeah. a tent. Yeah, Are we seeing any of that in San Francisco? Oh, yes,
1: of course. We have over 400 uh Children in the school district that are homeless, um, so they 're sleeping in cars or they 're sleeping in tents uh, but um, yeah that 's part of the general homeless population when they 're either couch surfing or uh, because they don 't have a permanent unit or a permanent um, apartment um, that 's why the general homeless population is up to uh, fifteen to twenty thousand people
2: one of the driving forces or problems for some of the homeless people aside from the statistic that they say twenty percent of them are veterans. A lot of them have substance abuse, alcohol abuse, and, and um, mental issues that right. we're, de- we're not dealing with in society. How is um, renewal of, um, of Gavin's plan or an improved revision of, of yours right. and Gavin's plan? How are we going to tackle that homelessness?
1: You go one by one, and literally, I don't want to sound uh, you know um, sophomoric, but it's one by one, tent by tent. Uh, I think that we could easily house tent by tent in two to three months. I absolutely believe that. Now, the general homeless population major issue uh, is uh, mental illness, and that is a state and federal issue as far as funding goes. But we need to create the beds. We need to create the facilities. We have some, and they're empty. We have over 1,700 empty units that could be used for the mentally ill. Um, and we're just for some reason the present administration's not doing it.
2: So the, when you say seventeen thousand, um, you said 100, 100. 1, 1700 places. Are these state or, or federal? No, buildings? these are city. These are city buildings. Right. Okay, these are city buildings. Right. Okay, why why are they not being used?
1: I've, uh, some some bureaucratic obstacle. Um, let me give you the example. Uh, three months ago, we cut the, risen, ri- we cut the ribbon at St. Mary's Hospital uh, for, I believe, it's 59 beds for the severe mentally ill. Okay, so that's a very important clinic. That's something we need. That's something past mayors uh, like Art Agnos closed the crisis clinics. And that's half the problem of what, we, what we've we ended up with today. But those 59 beds are still empty because of some bureaucratic gitch, glitch, glitch um, that mm-hmm. they that they uh, can't open it's totally ridiculous
2: well you know I can remember the the uh, day when we, we, we had a governor in the state of California called Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan as, as you know uh, let Lynette fromm and Charlie Manson a lot of people on the streets because they closed the yeah. they closed the metal hospitals. And I don't think we've recovered from that, have we? No, I don't
1: think we have. Yeah, I
2: don't think we've recovered. Patrick,
1: I think you're absolutely right. I just don't think we've recovered from that. Well, you know, another important statistic is 70% of today's homeless population in the city and county of San Francisco were San Francisco residents. Wow. 70%. That is the highest it's ever been from eviction. So what happened is, the tech industry came in with thousands and thousands of employees. There was no true planning for it. Um, and as a consequence, a lot of people lost their their apartments and didn't go anywhere. Um, and um, then they defunded uh, our, homeless, our chronic homeless plan and took the buildings out of it. We had 18 buildings. Each one had anywhere from two to 350 units in it. We had 18 of them and they moved them over to affordable housing for the new employees coming to town. And as a consequence, we, so many homeless people uh, went to the streets. Um, so many people that got evicted or they couldn't pay the rent they went to the streets.
2: Well, we noticed, in, at least in the news, and you can probably enlighten the listeners a little bit more than I can, the news indicates what happens in San Francisco, like other surrounding cities. There's an encampment. Uh, and then at a certain point, the city uh, gets the camp and cleans it up, and then they move somewhere else. Is that still going on quite regularly? It
1: just happened last week. Uh, The acting mayor just did a sweep of the city, and now you can see them in all the neighborhoods. So they move out to the neighborhoods and pitch a new tent, and then um, when things quiet down, they go back to their places uh, where they feel like is home, like under the freeways or uh, out on Division Street or or in the Mission District. Um, um, But it does absolutely nothing. To house homeless people when you have a um, what happened last week so do you
2: think we have to have kind of a village aspect one ten at a time do we need to develop some type of housing in San Francisco? I was told there's an approximately maybe thirteen fourteen thousand buildings or, or units that are vacant,
0: mm-hmm. not
2: being used primarily. I was told because the landlords don't want to deal with rent control right, so how do we how do we overcome that issue with the rent control and get these people to to step up to the plate? Is there some way we can negotiate a well, little bit more effectively because um, obviously everybody's passionate about uh, their right to rent their property, whatever. Type of rent, and I know rent control has been a challenge yeah. for even Berkeley, as you know. Berkeley eventually was one of our first rent-controlled cities, has abandoned it. Um, I know San Francisco for, for each each area is a little bit different. Um, a lot of our viewers are not aware that rent control is not throughout the whole city. So how can we how can we work with those landlords that that ab- abandon their building primarily because they're tired of, of rent control?
1: Well, for one thing, um, Patrick, there is a real disconnect between the community and the government, okay? there, There's just not enough coalition building like there used to be, um, particularly when my dad was mayor and when I was president of the Board of Supervisors. We had communities that were um, uh, coalition builders in the sense that they would – all meet and talk and try to come to some solution that was good for the whole of the city. And that really, really worked. Today, nobody speaks to each other and the politicians themselves don't like each other. And you can't get anywhere with that. I just had lunch with um, about 30 um, um, landowners, apartment building owners. And of course, their big complaint is is rent control. Um, On the other hand, as I discussed with them, without rent control, the city would be billionaires, period, and the homeless. Um, because you see that people uh, uh, that are paying rent-controlled prices couldn't pay more, so they'd be out of, the, out of town. We've lost 12,000 Latinos in the last three years. That's a stunning number, okay? So that whole district is changing, and it's changing to accommodate um, the new employees of, of, to, of tech businesses. If you go down Valencia and 22nd Street, it looks like New York City. It's a whole new area, and it's not... Well, Latino you know, you
2: anymore. share, I'm in Silicon Valley, San Mateo County area. So we're seeing the same thing. The divide is actually a little bit more broader than that because it's taking the middle class that was the middle class. Um, they can Most of the people on the peninsula cannot afford their own houses today. Yeah, uh, And some of these people could be professionals. They could be lawyers or they could be do- doctors or nurses or teachers. So that kind of goes into another question I've asked every, what can we do, um, uh, and I think you alluded it, To begin with, we're not planning, number one. Number two, you brought in something the podcast, by the way, is excited about. It's the collaboration of people. Not taking a right, not taking a left, not taking a center, but bringing people to the table with those solutions. Absolutely. So we're excited to see if we can get that message out there. It's essential. Yeah, it's essential right now. It's
1: essential. Let me just give you an example. When Martin Luther King was um, assassinated and my father was the mayor, he had a coalition that had already been going for two years of uh, the the black um, Baptist ministers and the community, the Latino community, the Russian community, the, the council generals had all been already made into a coalition of people so that when if and when it was ever needed, they could indeed calm the city. And they did. We were the only city in the United States of America that did not riot when, um, uh, major city, when Martin Luther King was assassinated. And it's because this coalition, I have pictures of it, great photographs of it, stood on the steps of City Hall and asked all of their different diverse citizens to please not riot, to instead march with them. And they marched all over town in protest of the assassination, but they didn't riot. We don't have anything like that. Anything like that. When I was president of the Board of Supervisors, I created uh, coalitions between the downtown businesses, the small businesses, and the neighbors. Made them all sit in the same room, just like with my chronic homeless plan. I had 60 people in 2004 uh, sit in a room for six months, and they all hated each other when we first sat down. They hated each other. The Hotel Council, the Restaurant, the restaurant um, uh, Association, and the Coalition on Homelessness. And they, uh, these are people that didn't talk to each other. Uh, For six months, we worked together to create a plan that was absolute product of a coalition. Well, for our audience,
2: in 1968, um, Bobby Kennedy was also... um, June. June, killed. Um, Bobby Kennedy, uh, during that time when Martin Luther King uh, was assassinated, was bold enough to go speak into an area that were all all Afro-Americans and put his feet in the fire, so to speak, and tell us. I think, Angela, you bring a good point. I think we need to have a collaboration with people on the street, with elected officials. It can't be so remotely through emails and through texts and through letters because it doesn't seem like we're solving the problem. This goes into another buzzword that we're hearing around the peninsula, uh, and that has to do with the horrific transportation issues we have on the peninsula. Um, As we all realize, at least in San Mateo County, We don't have a transit district. Everybody, Sam Trams, BART, everybody's fighting for that tax dollar on ridership, whether it's federal or state dollar. What's your opinion? What do you think we should do on transportation? Because we obviously are not planning. We're not planning for the infrastructure either.
1: Yeah. No, and then that's half the problem is we have these big corporations come to town. And we didn't do any infrastructure planning. I mean, everything from the sewers to the pavement to to the uh, absolutely ridiculous traffic in the streets um, that that Uber, Lyft, and chariot have caused. But San Francisco's transportation system Mm -hmm. just needs the tools. We've got the um, infrastructure. We just need the tools. And, you know, when I think of uh, transportation down the peninsula, I think of Ron uh, Deardon in San Jose. Ron did a great job with the light rail. If you recall, he's the one that that actually had it happen. Um, And my father did BART, and we did um, all of these light rails that go out to Geary, Judah, and all the other um, um, light rail streets in San Francisco. And they're really good, but these departments don't have new equipment. They don't have the tools they need to make it work. And quite frankly, I think the top of MTA needs to be changed. I think that uh, the director and other people at the top... Have gotten way out of out of sync with what's happening in the city, and we need to change them.
2: well, you know, I had an opportunity to interview Gina Mayor Gina Papin, and she uh, uh, talked about the problem with Bart, yeah uh, and Bart doesn't go often far enough, enough far enough and doesn't go often enough into the airport Right. Um, so and, and, and I, I think we I also had an opportunity, and I want you to listen to this he's a former mayor of Woodside and his name is Dave Tanner mm-hmm. Dave Tanner served on the council in Woodside for approximately 18 years okay he's coming up with an innovative idea which is working in where the Tanfarin Shopping Center is going right. to be leveled uh, he's got a monorail system I think it's coming from Japan or Korea uh, he's got a proposal and his proposal is is to have a connection with 380 um, and the monorail which will drop people off 18 minutes into Fresno, Stockton, whatever, so that we can get the traffic off of the streets. Um, so I think we're we're we're, we're eighteen
1: here. minutes to Fresno, uh,
2: or, or somewhere eighteen twenty five minutes is super fast. It's even you know. So I I would like you. He it will be coming up. Uh, I'll have to make sure I send the date to you. But yeah. we are going to have he's download. He should be up on our podcast by the day. But good Dave Tanner, a very innovative person on that. Now in San Francisco. Um, Besides the problems with traffic and housing, well, how are we doing on the affordable housing uh, thing? Uh, some cities um, have requirements. Some cities do. On uh, new projects in the city of San Francisco, is there a ten percent? Is there a fifteen percent affordable factor in there?
1: Yeah, but affordable is affordable to whom? Since I joined this campaign, um, I, I I I mean it's it's been remarkable to me that. Every time we heard affordable, it was a matter of bringing the percentage up with the developer. Do we have 15 percent? Do we have 20? Do we have 25? Some have 50 percent. Okay. then I found out affordable is one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year salary. Well, that's not affordable for the teachers, for the uh, for the uh, nurses. Please fire emergency services in an emergency service city. Um, that's not affordable. We want housing. I want to build housing that is for people that make $50,000, 60000 70000 um, They have a new program in San Jose I love for nurses. 315 units. Um, two blocks away from the hospital, all for nurses, and um, their rent is dependent upon their salary. So if one of the nurses makes sixty thousand and another nurse makes one hundred and twenty-five, it's a percent, same percentage of the salary. So the person is, that makes fifty can stay in the same place. The person that's making a hundred and whatever. Well, you know,
2: you bring up a good. There's a new buzzword out there, and it, 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 besides the words we we have subsidized housing, first-time home buyers. The buzzword is workforce housing. Now, some cities are using that. We have an example in Foster City. We have a project that was zoned for commercial and retail. Now they're going to do something with what they call workforce housing. Obviously, they haven't built. They they don't have the real accurate definition of what is it. But yeah. you you brought it up. It's teachers. It's nurses. Sure. So workforce. So, workforce housing. <laughs> right. So we, we need to do a better job at that. But I. I we're I not never,
1: doing any job.
2: Yeah, I think what we're doing is just building more rental units.
1: We're building rental at market value units, or we're building luxury units, or we're building units that someone who makes you know. Three hundred thousand dollar plus can live in, um, but I have to tell you though, Patrick, affordable housing is the biggest, most complicated problem in this city.
2: How do you think we can unravel that that onion, so to speak, or can we? Or is it is it going to? Well, we gonna have
1: eighteen thousand units that are being um, developed now. The point is more is more. You know, I love the tech industry. I think tech's innovative, exciting, wonderful. I don't know why. Everybody left San Jose, (laughs) there was Alicone Valley. I don't know why everybody came to San Francisco when they did. I do know that the elected officials at the time were going through a drought from the 2008 and 2009 downfall. But having said that, they came with no plan. So you've got a massive company coming into town that has 10,000 employees in a building when we're only building 1,000 new units. And so they're asking us, where are the other 9,000 units for my employees? Well, we didn't plan for your employees, and we certainly don't want to evict people. That's half the problem with our homeless situation. Not to mention, we don't want just rich people. Our city is an iconic city it 's iconic we are every uh, region of the world from from Mexico to Italy to France to Germany to Russia to Ireland. We are iconic that way we can 't change the culture of our city, and th- those are words that i 'm saying that i 'm not people told me i couldn 't say that out on the campaign trail. I said, well forget that i 'm going to say it you know uh, what's, you know what 's wrong with res- preserving the culture of who we are.
2: Well, let's go back to that. These new uh, companies are coming in. Um, a lot of the, the, some of the newer developments are called campus housing. Yeah. Um, Stanford University has campus housing. Kenyatta College does. Um, is there any campus housing in San Francisco There's currently? this new
1: dorm thing going on. A developer came into town, bought a couple of buildings, and um, there are three or four people living in a dorm-like atmosphere. Uh, some have a, a, a bathroom, some don't. Some have to go down the corridor. And I'm told these tenants love it. Love it. So they go across the street to you know Google, Twitter, Facebook, Salesforce. They Once they enter that building, they've got their own world. You know, Salesforce is the only one that didn't intentionally build restaurants so that the restaurant business in the area wouldn't die, which I really appreciate. That's nice. That's yeah. some thought. Right. You know, I really appreciate that thinking. Because the others didn't. You know, when you go into Google, you don't ever have to leave. They've got everything from cuts to uh, to the best food in the world. And it's all free.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and, and our small businesses well, you know, are I, dying.
2: Angela, I, I kind of think it's ironic <laughs> that some people that we're really providing this with the Google and all those, their companies are providing it. Yet when we have our own citizens, we some people take the point of view is they think it's like welfare and that you're, you're subsidizing. Yeah. So it's kind of ironic that these people, techie people are paid so well. Yeah. Uh, they're get their laundry done. They have yeah. food. <laughs> it's, it's, so, so all of the things, <laughs> but that that's we, not we welfare. Att- it's not welfare. That's not right welfare. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so I, I, I think it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like we, we need to an equal leveling field a little bit for the, the, the teacher, the plumber, the, the banker, yeah, uh, so yeah. to speak. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about, I know you were having a, a challenge, and I, I, you're an Alito, so I know you're going to fight. How are you doing on your campaign situation with the funding that the city, I know you're, are you still under appeal? Uh, and no, I, we lost
1: yesterday. You lost yesterday. There are forces that do not want me to be mayor. And I think, Patrick, you can tell why they don't want me to be mayor. Plain and simple, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And my heart and soul is in this city. We're three generations. We came in the 1800s uh, to North Beach, right up the block. Okay? Nobody's going to tell me what to do that's good for my city uh, when I want to do something I believe is good for my city. So they can't, uh, you know, they can't. Well,
2: you definitely have the spirit (laughs) of your your dad. Um, I can see your dad... Visually, and yeah. my dad is also buried in Holy Cross Cemetery. Oh, good.
3: So when I, guess I, good. when
2: I go past, I, I see, see Joe, dad, I yeah. see, see your yeah. father's there. Yeah. What about? Say, I bought
1: that after the Wonder Bread.
2: Did you? Yeah, I bought wow. that
1: piece of real estate in
2: wow. well, Holy Cross. Now, you're not too far from another famous Italian. Yeah. Uh, Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Joe I mean,
1: DiMaggio and the Mustos from the wine industry. Right. And, of course, right next to me, my, my good friend Jerry Brown and I always joke about the fact that we're going to go into eternity together because we're right next to each other. Oh,
2: that's neat. Yeah. That's yeah. Neat. Um, what's your What's your position on single-payer insurance? Let me
1: go back one second well, to this back, ethics okay. thing because okay. I'm going to sue them. Okay. I absolutely okay. I'm sorry. Gonna, I
2: didn't mean to cut you off. I'm here. going to sue them. Okay. okay.
1: but. People who gave, let's say, let's say you, Patrick, give London Bree $500. You give me $500. You put down your same address in the city and county of San Francisco. So that $100 qualifies for the public funding that has to add up to $50,000. So it's over 500 San Franciscans that have to give 100. Okay. The one, the one you gave to London Bree didn't get questioned. The one you gave to me got questioned and kicked out.
2: Ah, so you're so it's kind of it's like a, a random, study. random pick of of which candidate we want to exactly. look into. Exactly. Well, I know from running for public office yeah. myself, and in the experience, when you get donations, they're right down there to find out who donated oh, it to yeah. you, and then they, oh, yeah. that's the next press release. No,
1: but the dis- the disparity, uh, the disparate treatment of other candidates, and what they did to me is so obvious it's ridiculous i mean they would they would put down there that we sent them the, li- um, the license uh, uh driver's license as proof of ev- uh, residence and um they would say the driver's license was blurry it wasn't blurry to me mm-hmm. <laughs> so i mean we literally got uh you know obstructed from getting the public funding now when they
2: do that process is that similar to the vote vote recount that they only randomly look at... No, no, they, they did they every, every single one, one. They look at every single yeah. one, okay.
1: And they disqualified uh, over 200... The first time they disqualified 280 because their software didn't upload our uh, documentation.
2: Well, keep up the fight. I will, I, I, and you know, I'm going to win it. You know, I, I admire that. About Let's go back into the single-payer insurance okay. and uh, the disparity of insurance. And I... I want to hear what you think. Do you, do you think the uh, what the state is trying to do with the single payer is a good idea? Oh, yeah, I do. Absolutely.
1: Okay. I think uh, single payer is a great idea. I think it, uh, uh, the finances of it have to be figured out. But I've, all, I've been for single payer for years. The whole insurance company debacle, especially with things like uh, medications for the elderly, is unconscionable in my opinion. See, I do live in Italy during the summers um, until I'm mayor next month. Uh, and I have for 45 years. And I have to say that that uh, the governmental medicine is just fantastic. It's just great. So that's
2: where you do your R&R. And, and oh, you know, it's like my nothing?
1: sanctuary. Okay, It's my sanctuary.
2: Um, okay, now that's a good point. You came up with the next word I was going to do. The sanctuary city. How are we dealing with that situation? As you know, um, our current president has been a little aggressive towards the state of California and to the city of San Francisco. What can we do?
1: I got to tell you, Patrick. You, you, you just got uh, hot off the press news. I'm going to tell you right now, we'll come, just before this meeting, I went to City Hall and filed a ballot measure for the November um, election to take felonies out of the sanctuary law. Now, let me tell you why. I wrote the law. I wrote the first sanctuary law in the United States of America. I wrote it in 89. I'd only been in office six months. In 91, I reinforced it to make it understood by the people. Okay, in 94, I went back and amended my own law to take felons out of it. I didn't want, there was never the intent, legislative intent, to protect felons. Okay, never. Fine. 2013, 2016, David Campos comes to me and says, we want to amend your law and we want to add back in felons. I said, no. He said, can I make an appointment with you? I said, no, I'm not going to even, I wouldn't even consider supporting putting felons back into a sanctuary law. We're trying to deal with our own felons, more or less felons from other countries. I don't care if it's from Canada or if it's from where it's from, uh, where the person is from. So today we filed a ballot measure to undo what they did in 2016, which undid what I did in 94. Because I do not believe uh, on the national uh, level, which they've copied our law, that felons should be protected.
2: Well, I think that's great. Um, You know, the news media... Kind of tells sometimes a different story on that. Um, and for our listeners, can you make a distinction between the sanctuary city and a felon in the respect that? Um, give a give it a, give an example. Um, we we had that uh, gentleman uh, that was in um, a felon. And I think uh, for the sanctuary city that that actually had a gun that went off. And killed someone down there. Yes, but he
1: wasn't a felon. He had been deported five times, and all he had was parking tickets, okay? But in my opinion, someone that's been deported five times is a federal government problem. What is wrong with immigration that they keep deporting the same person? Well, how could they not succeed?
2: Thank you, thank you for hitting the nail on the head. You're absolutely right. The federal government immigration is blown it here. Isn't it? All the time. Yeah.
1: So the law I wrote would, would might have protected him because he's not a felon. The, the law I wrote today that is going on the ballot would not protect any felon. So now let's take the officer that was shot down in Los Angeles by a, 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 a person who is an illegal immigrant with three dangerous felonies. He's protected by the law that's in in effect right now today. The law I'm putting on the ballot for uh, November will make him not protected. We should not be protecting illegal immigrants who are felons.
2: Angela, on behalf of Podcast by the Bay, I want to ask you why you. And when I we want to give you a closing thing, it's why you over the other candidates. There's eight candidates running for mayor. Right. I don't know if all of them have filed the appropriate paperwork. Maybe some of them have. Oh, they have. They, they have. have. Um, and I think I've heard that there's four leading candidates. Right. Why you?
1: Because uh, it's one word experience.
2: Okay, you do bring some experience, Absolutely. Yeah. I
1: bring experience for homelessness. I bring experience for mental illness. I created the Mental Ill, uh, the mental Health uh, Advisory Board. It didn't exist in the 90s. I created it because people didn't believe in mental health. You know, it was get over it. It wasn't uh, a serious issue. And instead, it's such a massive issue in so many different areas of the law and of medicine. For example, chronic fatigue syndrome was considered to be a problem women had a mental health problem that women had and that they should just get over. Instead, I wrote a law that said uh, chronic fatigue syndrome is going to be be covered by the city and county of San Francisco in the benefits. So going back to a second uh, to experience, um, Patrick, every major issue we have right now, I have done and done successfully, and it's been changed.
2: Angela, on behalf of Podcast by the Bay, I want to
1: thank you for taking your time to talk to us. Right, right. Thank you so
3: much, Patrick. The
2: days
1: of wine and
3: roses Laugh and run away Like a child at play Through the meadowland toward a close A door knocked nevermore That wasn't there before The lonely night Discloses Just a passing breeze Filled with memories Of the golden smile that introduced me to the day
0: hope you enjoyed that beautiful rendition of the Days of Wine and Roses from the vocalist Joseph DeVito with also accompanying on piano Leo DeVito. And once again, that was Joseph DeVito when he was 82 years old, uh, about a year and a half before he passed away. He's also my grandfather and uh, he he was featured on that track. So we are blessed to have that recording of him and for him to share his soul. And you can check out more. About Leo DeVito on the Highway Soul music page at highwaysoul.com. All right, until next time, keep on rocking. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com. Remember to subscribe and download our podcast. On iTunes Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast, you can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcast by the bay at gmail.com. Stay tuned.